So please welcome some members of the New York City Supporters Club, the third rail with the MLS Trophy. underway and live here on ESPN plus Hercules Gomez and Sebastian Salazar with you the MLS Cup getting a let's call it lukewarm greeting uh, overseas but nothing lukewarm about this episode of the show Herc on Monday January 17th now just 10 days away from that U.S. El Salvador World Cup qualifier in Columbus. Are you ready? Are you ready? It's going to be cold. You have your layers all sorted. I don't even have my flight booked. I should probably get that going. <laughs> all right, well, you got time. You got time. And for the, uh, for the folks out there, you have time as well to listen to this show on Football Americas, uh, the podcast. If you have any friends that maybe don't have ESPN+, Plus, tell them about the podcast. Great way to introduce new people um, to the show. We got lots coming up on this edition of the show. Herc, uh, one of your former managers, Pedro Caixinha, is now back in Liga MX. He's back with Santos, where he managed you uh, many moons ago. We're going to have a one-on-one -on -one sit-down with him that you had while you were down in Torreón. In the Major League Soccer transfer market, Hercules Gomez, we have a very unhappy national teamer. We will dive in on that. And speaking of transfers, speaking of transfers, a potentially Watershed transfer for Liga MX Femenil Herc, stealing a player away from the National Women's Soccer League. But let's start with some news from the courts, uh, specifically news that has to do with the Mexican national team. The Court of Arbitration for Sport Herc has struck down the recent sanctions imposed by FIFA's disciplinary committee against Mexico over the uh, frequently heard anti-gay chant. Uh, Mexico, in an act of, I guess we'll call it self-sanctioning, is only going to allow 2,000 fans at their upcoming World Cup qualifiers at home against Costa Rica and Panama. And those fans will have to register as part of a fan registration system. So, Herc, what do you think? Is this fan registration system the step needed for Mexican soccer to finally, finally put these anti-gay chants in the past. It's a big can of worms, Seb. You're talking about implementing fan ID in a system like Liga MX, the Mexican national team, if you will. Don't, you have to assume Why it not? would be We were in the World Cup in 2018. We were in Russia. We saw it. Why not? Did you hear it? Did you hear the chant with the fan ID? Not after the first game. <laughs> okay, but you heard the chant. We did hear it. Okay, yeah. you heard it. I don't know. FMF has taken, has taken this posture of it's not our job to educate, but it is our job to eradicate when we are involved. Hmm. I, I get it. It's going to be difficult. Maybe this way, not only do they fix the homophobic chant that's going on, but they maybe also eliminate scalpers. Uh, that could be a whole different can of worms and how that trickles down into the Mexican national team and all that. But this may work in select stadiums in Mexico. I don't think in the Azteca. I don't think when you get close to 89, 90,000 people, you can implement a fan ID and it'll be seamless. But most importantly, Seb, we've not only heard this in Mexico. We've not only heard this in the Azteca. We've heard this here in the United States. We've heard this U.S., Mexico games, Mexico versus Salvador games, any type of game you want, we've heard it. How do you implement there? Because trying to implement fan ID here in the States, that's, that's another issue. Look, I, I, I get what you're saying. It's a little, little bit icky. It's a little bit scary. It's a little bit 1984. It's a little bit big brother, right? But, but we've seen these steps taken. 
And you can imagine her how, how difficult it must have been. Think about all the people coming from all over the world in Russia. Uh, and the Russian government and FIFA were able to pull it off for a World Cup. So it's not something that's, you know, impossible. It, it has been done before. And as uncomfortable it, as it may make you feel or me feel, um, it is clearly going to be a deterrent. If you are registered and they find you, it's going to be much easier to track you down and then provide a sanction if you misbehave in a stadium, whether it's the anti-gay chant or throwing something at a player. I mean, this may not be what we all want, but based on behavior, I think it's very clear to say this may be what we all need. The other thing that I would bring up here uh, is I am disappointed in the court of arbitration for sport because I don't know what this message sends. You're basically letting Mexico off the hook for the yeah. anti-gay chant as far as a real serious punishment is concerned. I don't know what message that sends to the either past offenders or future offenders, and I don't know what message it sends to the LGBTQ community, certainly in Mexico. So um, I, I am disappointed, I would have to say, Herc, in the court of arbitration for sport here. I don't think they held up the end of the bargain that FIFA needed them to hold up. If you know, we can point the, the finger at FIFA a lot, but FIFA did what it had to do here. Mexico just appealed it to a place where somebody else said no. Uh, we'll let you off the hook. If anything, Seb, it almost helped Mexico because now they get to implement and test this out with 2,000 people. Instead of just saying we're going to roll it out and see what happens, could have potentially been uh, catastrophic for Mexico. But now you're helping Mexico. Hmm. All right. So uh, let's move on there. Uh, Mexico, of course, uh, with some big games coming up in World Cup qualifying. Uh, up next here on Football Americas. <clears throat> the, uh, I think, very serious news, uh, Herc, about Alfonso Davies and uh, a player that we have been, you know, excited about for a long time. This news actually broke on Friday, uh, shortly after we had uh, gone off the air. It was, it was Friday, but I think it's probably still the biggest news um, in the region. The Bayern Munich defender, Canadian superstar, diagnosed with myocarditis. It's an inflammation uh, of the heart muscle. This after he tested positive for COVID-19 earlier in January. He's obviously not training with Bayern Munich anymore. He last played for them on December 17th. We've had a few hints out there as far as maybe a timetable for his uh, return, but the best one came from his manager. Here's Julian Nagelsmann on Davies. We examined him yesterday. We examined all of our players and all of the players who had corona. He had some problems with his heart. He had some cardiac uh, values that were well, self-explanatory, really. He won't be able to play in the next couple of weeks. He had myocarditis, which is something that needs to heal. That's something that the ultrasound showed us. It doesn't look dramatic at all, but it's just a sign of myocarditis. It's something that he needs to uh, yeah, heal off, that needs to heal off, that takes time. He needs to rest. So in other words, we can't use him for the next couple of weeks. All right, Herc, so uh, obviously grave concern there. We heard the words from Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, when you first heard this on Friday, what was your reaction to the news about Alfonso Davies? Well, first of all, let's hope he's okay. Let's hope there are no serious consequences uh, after this. And, and glad they caught it. It's this standard testing they do post-COVID for any player coming back from Bayern Munich. They actually caught it. You can imagine how scary it would have been if they would have let him go back on the pitch. Uh, but immediately I'm thinking of Bayern Munich's place, one of the best left backs in the world. And then, okay, how does that translate to Canada? Wow, this window, these three games, Canada is losing their most influential player. I'm sorry, not their most influential player, the most influential player in all of CONCACAF. This is the best player in CONCACAF. All of a sudden, Canada is going to lose 
that fear factor. And what I mean by that is Canada's a good team. They're a good defensive team. They got shape. They're disciplined. John Herdman's got them playing well. But you lose a player like Alfonso Davies with the capability of changing a game single-handedly. When you lose that type of player, a player who forces opposition to tactically build a game plan around him. And I, I'm serious when I say this. A Mexico, U.S., they play against Canada. You have to you have to wear any, any and every single time uh, Alfonso Davis is on the field. He can singly change a game like he did in the U.S. versus Canada game where one play they were bunkered in down the left-hand side, he gets an assist with Kyle Lahren. He makes everybody around him better, whether that's Jonathan David, Kyle Lahren, or Estacchio and the vision that Estacchio can have with a player of his ability. You lose that fear factor. Teams don't fear you as much when you don't have a player like Alfonso Davies. Yeah, we look at the uh, at the qualifying table right now. They're first, but let's be honest, right? They're only two points out of what fourth, and a potential playoff. So, a yeah. as good as the start has been to Canada, these next three games are critical. If you look at the next three games, so I think you might argue, Herc, these are of the road trips you're going to have to make if you're ever going to be without Alfonso <laughs> Davies. This would yeah. be it for Canada, right? Honduras, a disaster, a dead last place. El Salvador. Not much better. They're in seventh. Uh, and then you do have the United States, uh, but you got the United States on home soil, right? Up there in, in Ontario in a game that I'm sure we know will be, will be frozen. So in many <laughs> ways there, I think it, it, it lines up well for Canada. I wonder if you also think maybe there's a little bit more to Canada than just Alfonso Davies. Remember the game against Mexico? I feel like Mexico did a real good job for the first time we saw someone in CONCACAF. The game against Mexico in, in World Cup qualifying. The, the in game Canada. Canada won. Yeah, yeah, the game Canada yeah. won. Uh, it was the first time that Davies was really shut down, and yet Canada were still dangerous. Uh, it, it's not as though they couldn't be dangerous without him. So um, I don't know. I don't know that I think that Alfonso Davies, obviously, is their best player. He's a, a huge edge to their team. But I don't know that Canada's nothing without him. I, I think they'll be pretty strong. Your words, nothing without him. They lose that fear factor. Mm. Anytime you have a player, <clears throat> excuse me, like Alfonso Davies, You've got to prepare for an Alfonso Davies. The, the explosion of Alfonso Davies, the creativity, the dynamic, the directness, the way he can hurt you, the way he can make others be better. A Kyle Lahren is better with Alfonso Davies. A Jonathan David is better with Alfonso Davies. Canada without Alfonso Davies maybe doesn't even play in a 4-3-3. Maybe they go to a 4-2-2 uh, and implement Jonathan David and Kyle Lahren at the same time. It changes the dynamic for a lot. And I'm not so sure if Mexico did a good job with them because Mexico tried to keep him at bay, but he was still so dangerous. They were still so hesitant to come out and really go flying against a team like Canada because they're so aggressive on the counter because of players like Alfonso Davies. And listen, you know what it's like. He's the most important player in CONCACAF. Anytime you lose him, and I don't care if you're playing against the seventh and eighth team in CONCACAF in this ocho, you still have a six-point game against the U.S., and it's yeah. a six-point game. It's an opportunity to take away not only not only get yourself three points, but take away three from direct opposition. Look, they still got guys that can scare you, that can pin you back at Tejan Buchanan. Look, I've been hearing a lot of my comments about Jonathan David, that I had him, what, eight or nine in my top ten of CONCACAF players. Here's the moment. Here's the moment. These three games, Jonathan David's moment to jump into that, uh, into that top five of Football America's top ten CONCACAF Kyle players. Kyle a leading goal scorer on that team. Uh, let's move from the Canadian national team to the Mexican national team. Chucky Lozano with a big, big Monday night uh, in Syria. Two goals hurt for Napoli in a 2-0 victory over Bologna on Monday. His first goals in league play since way back on October 3rd. So almost three and a half months since he last uh, found the back of the net in Syria. Between this performance and Lorenzo Insigne's upcoming departure to Toronto FC, things suddenly looking up. 
perk for Tuki at Napoli. Uh, let's hold off on the Insignia leaving talk, how it helps Tuki Lozano for a second. Can you just for a second bask in the glory that is Tuki Lozano as a number nine? <laughs> His movement is so sexy. When I saw the first goal, I was like, oh, that's pretty good movement. I mean, textbook nine work. And then this little finish right here, great team goal. But he's the right place at the right time. Again, typical nine work. It, it speaks to the maturation of Chucky Lozano in the Serie A. I mean, look, look at this. The conversion rate. Look where all those goals are scored. They're in the box. <laughs> Chucky Lozano coming from Pachuca, coming from the other Divisier, has all of a sudden learned how to walk the line. How to walk inside that 18. How to be that second striker. Tactically, he's so much better for it. All right, so Herc, we see all those goals in the box. Give me, like, kind of the striker's perspective. How are they happening? Break them down. What has that added to his game? And I think there's probably a pretty good example just in the first goal today, yeah. right? Because uh, yeah. I'm watching the replay, and they've got the perfect back angle on him. And you see him make moves not once but twice to really create the space where he then finds the goal. Yeah, let's go see that goal again. It's Chucky Lusano playing as that second striker, the second nine. Watch this. Ball's out wide. He's staying patient. Watch this. He's going to create right there the separation with the defender. The left foot. It's not a crazy finish, but he redirects it, uses the goalkeeper's momentum against him. Textbook nine work. Watch. He's going to put his hand on the center back. Move him, create the separation, and then explode into that space. When you see it in this angle, you get to see his movement. It's very well done. It's all movement. It's all vision. There's a lot more to vision than just passing the ball. It's the movement. It's the space. It's the understanding of space that makes him so dangerous. It was a great goal. And how about this? Another one. Look at Chucky Lozano. He could stay wide. No, but he sees the pass from Insigne, and what is he going to do? He cuts right through the heart of the defender. He doesn't stay wide. It's a diagonal run, a very good run behind the defender, and then very brave, like a nine would. He's taking some hits. He's taking a lot of hits. He's not scared. He's not afraid. He's very brave in front of the goal. It's a very well-worked goal. Good vision on his part to find the run, find the movement, and another good goal inside the box. And then this may be, you say, okay, bad defending. This was against Iceland. This was uh, his second goal, uh, if you will. Watch him wrap around defender. He's going to stay patient. The defending is a little bad. Watch him. Blind side of defender, then cuts in, explodes inside the box. Easy finish. It looks very easy, but it's the movement that sets him up. It, these are things that he's learned over time. I really feel in Serie A, that ability from a wide position to come in as a second striker. And if memory serves me correct, this is about the time that Tata Martino started using him as a nine. Oh, why don't you think the in Insignia move will help Chucky Lozano? No, I'm not saying it won't help Chucky Lozano. I'm just saying Let's, let's wait till it happens to have that conversation because there could be a lot that happens as well, like Chucky Lozano himself leaving. Okay, fair enough. Uh, a brace for Chucky on the day. Mexico could use him heating up uh, as we get set for the next three uh, World Cup qualifiers. Speaking of Mexican internationals, Andres Guardado in the uh, headlines for all the wrong reasons. So let's set this up. Betis and Sevilla playing in the uh, Copa del Rey on Friday. Uh, Sevilla would score, but Juan Jordan, one of their players, is struck with a bottle, and the match Herc, actually had to be abandoned. This was with Sevilla and Betis tied 1-1 uh, in the first That's half. That's not and a bottle, Seb. What was it? That's a that's a pole. Look at that. A pole, you're right. It's a pole. What is that? A stick. He's holding a bottle. Um, so he's taken to the hospital for further evaluations. Uh, the game would have to be finished Jeez. then on Sunday uh, with Betis going on to win 2-1 to one on a game winner from Sergio Canales. Now, Andres Guardado didn't play uh, on Sunday, but he did, uh, and this is where he ended up 
getting caught for trolling. Here is after the game, here you see him uh, messing around with a water bottle, throws it up in the air. Um, kind of a, a role play acting, uh, as always was Juan Jordan right there. And uh, Betis obviously uh, celebrating as they advance uh, in the Copa del Rey. And Andres Guardado would have to apologize, uh, but it was kind of a weird apology. He said, at no time was I mocking Jordan. And he said what happened was a great shame. Uh, Herc, what do you think? That's an apology, Seb? <coughs> Not a very good one. That, that, I don't think he's even trying to apologize. He's trying to tell you, hey, I wasn't even talking about that guy. But clearly, right. it looked like he was. And that's the thing, right? It's it's the perspective. It's what it's the way it looks. It's a very bad look. But Andres Guardado, he's 36 years old. He's old enough to know what's correct and what's not correct. Uh, am I buying the apology? No. Do I have a problem with what happened? It's in bad taste, but not really. You know, he could he could have so many different outs and say, hey, I wasn't talking about it. Like, okay, whatever. He's not gonna get fined for it. He's not gonna get suspended. There's gonna be no repercussions for it. I have no issue. No issue. Bad taste. No that's issue. it. Yeah, I think it's surprising to see from a player, you know, of his stature, right? A, a veteran of, of, of this kind of repute, you would not you would not think would go that far. It, it seems to be taking making light of something that we would be very serious about on this show, right? Not only that, Jordan's lucky that Joan Jordan's lucky that he got hit in the back of the head. That thing was coming at a weird angle. It could have pierced him. It could have hit him in the eye. It could have been. He could have been seriously injured in some sort of uh, different type of way. These are things we don't want to encourage fans to do. Andres Guardado should be an example. But let's just on the I don't know off way that he's not even talking about that. Mm. That he wasn't even going there. Should we reprimand him for it? I mean, he doesn't strike me like the type of guy that would lie about it. Though, from our perspective, it does look like he's taking a, a, making light of it. Yeah, the apology could have been better. However, there have been reports of death threats against Guardado and his family on social media. Obviously, uh, we know the intensity uh, of the Sevilla-Betis rivalry. By the way, February 27th, they'll meet again on ESPN+. Plus. Right now, second and third in the league. Expect fireworks in that one, because I'm sure the Sevilla players... Saw no, what Andres Guardado hit here, and uh, the club, apparently some officials at the club, Sevilla, were not very happy with it uh, either. So mark that date on your calendar, February 27th on ESPN+. Of course, Bundesliga, also Herc, available on ESPN+. That's where we find Augsburg, and of course the hope of all U.S. men's national team fans. Ricardo Pepe made his first start for the German club on Sunday in a 1-1 draw against Eintracht Frankfurt. He played 84 minutes, got two shots, uh, and of course scored zero goals. Uh, most interesting, perhaps the fact that Kicker, big outlet in Germany, gave him a rating of 4.5, uh, which actually made him the second lowest rated player on the field. How does Kicker do their scoring? It's a, it's a one through six scale. One is the very best, six is the very worst. So what he got, to 84 minutes, 34 touches, and uh, two attempts on goal. Hercules Gomez, were, were kicker, the uh, the German magazine, were they too harsh on Ricardo Pepe? There's Derek Gray, right? <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger. You should know better, Derek. You should know better. They're going to shoot the messenger. Well, uh, did they... Were they too harsh? Maybe, Seb. I don't know. I know there's going to be those people out there. Well, he did well enough in his hold-up play. He did a good job of trying to link up with teammates. Did you see the way he 
pressed the opposition, forced him into mistakes, the way he was challenging him defensively. Yeah, that's great. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't score. Do you know what he's brought in to do? Score goals. They paid $20 million, $20 million for him to score goals. He has not as of yet. That's not on me. That's not on kicker. That's what they brought him to do. And the one opportunity, the most brilliant, the golden mm. opportunity that he had, he scuffed it. No, no. Some would say he choked it away. It was that bad of a finish. Unlucky on the goal called back. Could add a, could add a case. No problem there. But Ricardo Pepe wasn't brought in to be a good player in link up or hold up to be an assist man to be a player that could be helping them on the de defensive end of things he was brought in to score goals that simple and he's got that narrative going around him i think it was karim benzema not too long ago that said uh i scored a goal and somebody said hey you played such a great game and he's like no i didn't if you even watch the game you know i'm paraphrasing here but he's like Goal scores nowadays, people just concentrate on the goals. They don't realize when you play well or don't play well. That's one of the beauties of being a nine. Ricardo Pepe lives in that world, but he's got to score those goals. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Look, um, we keep waiting for those goals, right? We keep waiting for him. He, uh, he talked to Dazen after the match, said there's much less time and space than he was accustomed to in Major League Soccer. So um, I think we have a little bit of the reason why, right? There's an explanation there. He just got there as to why there's a learning curve. But, uh, but surely he needs to get the goals. And the reality is other guys, Herc, are scoring. Mikhail Gregorich got on, got on the score sheet again. That's now four and seven for him. So Augsburg has a, has a forward who's heating up. It's just right now, not the $20 million American Ricardo Pepe as we take a look at the, uh, the heat map there, the touches for him. Up next, it's Saturday against Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, so a big opportunity there. But Herc, as we go back to the initial over under that we set for Ricardo Pepe, what was it? Uh, a couple weeks ago, remember, we put it at five and a half. That was pretty lofty numbers. He's now down to just five games to go. Are you feeling any better about your pessimistic under 15 games to go, Seb. Don't short, you still got time. Five and a half goals, I picked the under, you picked the over. I'm feeling pretty good about my pick right now. It's not easy. There mm -hmm. comes a learning curve with this adjustment. He doesn't have much, much of a period because they're fighting a relegation battle and people expect things out of him. But he's still a very young player. You, you ever heard of the sophomore slump? Well, he's not even into a sophomore season of being mm -hmm. a starter. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're kind of experiencing those growing pains with Ricardo Pepe. Ricardo Pepe, uh, yeah, there you see it. I don't know, man. I'm not feeling good about the overhurt. I'm not feeling great about the over at, uh, at five and a half. But if he gets one on Saturday, on Saturday morning against Bayer Leverkusen game, you can see right here on ESPN Plus, I will be feeling much better. That one, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, 6.30 a.m. for you guys out there on the West Coast. The Bundesliga and Ricardo Pepe on ESPN Plus. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
for the How many is the nine? Liga MX, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Cruz Azul, one nothing winners over Juarez on Saturday. The only goal came early from Charlie Rodriguez in the fifth minute. The 25-year-old uh, midfielder just joining from Rayados Herc. His second goal in as many games. Can this be the catapult for another promising young Mexican talent to make the move to Europe? <laughs> no. No, Seth. Ah, Let me explain. It has nothing to do with Mexican young talent. It's more to do with Charlie Rodriguez. Yeah, Great ball by Uriel Antuna, 25. He's 25. Great ball by Uriel Antuna. Great touch. A good penetrating run into the box that we did not see a lot of when he was at Rayados. He almost played as a deep line midfielder, playmaker, if you will. Here with Juan Reynoso, he's getting into the final third, so he's doing good things. Two for two in two weeks. Awesome. But he goes to Cruz Azul for Luis Romo. Uh, didn't Luis Romo want to go to Europe? Didn't Luis Romo say it's Europe or bust? And where is he now? Where is Luis Romo today? He's in Monterrey. So why would Cruz Azul, who's historically terrible about these things, Orbelin Pineda had to force his way out, let his contract run dry to go? Why would they all of a sudden say, hey, you know what, Charlie, we like you. You seem like a nice guy. We're going to let you go. No, no. There is a reason Romo left Monterrey. There's a reason Orbelin forced his way out. There's, there's the, I mean, evidence is listening to Cruz Azul and the ownership group talk. The board, when they, when they literally, literally talk down to players for wanting to go play for less money in Europe instead of living like kings in Mexico, and now you're telling me it's going to magically happen? I'm not buying it. So you don't think you don't think it's his level. You think it's just down to Cruz Azul. You think Charlie Rodriguez today could play in Europe, correct? Europe is subjective. Where in Europe? Yeah, you know, uh, let's say uh, like a move like Oribe, like uh, Orbelin made. How about that? Sure. He could be a mid-table La Liga player. team. He could, he could make a team for sure. Yes. Okay. And then fight his fight his way into the lineup. Here. I don't think he'd be a starter anywhere, but yes. Uh, if it's not going to be the, the trampoline to Europe, maybe it could be back to the national team. Remember, it wasn't that long ago. He was a significant part of Tata's plans. If you go back to the Gold Cup 2019, which is in a lot of ways kind of the last high point for the Mexican national team in, in CONCACAF competition, he played every single game of that tournament. You know, there was a moment there two, three years ago where you thought this guy was going to be a huge part of the national yeah. team program. So maybe this isn't the ticket to Europe, but maybe it's a ticket back into that lineup. Do you know, do you know who the best player of that tournament was for Mexico? Who was the best player of the tournament? Rodolfo Pizarro. It was that long ago. Ooh, Rodolfo Pizarro, man. Maybe he was your best player of the tournament. I don't know. I don't know. All right, from the good of Liga Mekis to the bad. Uh, interesting bad here, right, Tigres? Now, they did lose over the weekend, 2 nothing against Puebla on Saturday. They're uh, still yet to win through two games so far this season. But just before the game, Herc, on Twitter, Carlos Salcedo uh, tweeted, L'ultimo danza, uh, which I guess if we translate from, what is that, like Italian? The, the ultimo baile, the last dance, uh, ahead of his expected move to Toronto FC uh, in a move that would bring, we're told, Jefferson Soteldo uh, to Tigres from Toronto. So uh, what's bad here, Herc? Tigres losing to Puebla or the potential swap for Salcedo? <laughs> it depends who you ask. Uh, I don't think it's Tigres losing to Puebla. Listen, Tuca Ferretti and Tigres always start this way. This is the way they play under Tuca. They always start slow, they pick up steam, and then they'll be in the fight. Wait a second, it's not Tuca anymore. <laughs> it's Miguel Herrera. All right, all right, but it's Puebla. 
They were seventh last year, very good team, okay, for what they have, and then third the, uh, the season before that. This is a team under Larcamon that's a, it's a perennial playoff team, and they're a giant killer. Ask Chivas, who they bounced out of playoffs, okay? Ask America, who last week uh, could only manage a tie against them. So they're a very good team. I think it's the swaps. Mm. I mean, Soteldo for Salcedo. Salcedo, people are sleeping on Salcedo. He had a bad month, two months, and it trinkled and bled into the national team. And it was a public display. Uh, I shouldn't, for international TV, where he got in an argument, a verbal argument, with uh, part of the coaching staff, and he was bounced, and he wasn't part of that. But by no means does that mean he's not a good defender, and in my eyes, still the best defender in that pool. People talk about Montes, they talk about Johan Vasquez, they talk about Moreno, uh, Araujo. I still feel it's Salcedo who's got the highest ceiling of them all, who, who's the best one still of them all. So you're going to lose a player that's that caliber to Toronto, and in return you're going to get somebody who Toronto doesn't even want. Mm. I mean, Toronto mm, yeah. don't want Soteldo. Soteldo had a very bad year. Soteldo's coming as a DP where he was supposed to show something in Major League Soccer and showed us very, very little. And now you're going to convince Tigres fans that he's going to be a, an important piece, a player, a starter. You're going to lose a starter, and you're going to bring in a death player is what you're doing. Yeah, for uh, Toronto FC, boy, they're loading up, huh? You got Lorenzo Insigne, now potentially Carlos Salcedo. That's some big expectations for uh, TFC in year one under Bob Bradley. From the Tigres' perspective, wow, okay, so now we got Carlos Salcedo gone. Uh, Carioca has been linked to a move back to Brazil. Like, the things that made Tigres Tigres are starting slowly but surely to chip and fade away. So, uh, so Tigres there in the bad for this week. What about the ugly, Herc? Uh, how did Pumas, who are rolling right now, end up in the ugly? Okay, so they beat Queretaro 3-1 on Friday, but they finished the game with 10 men after uh, Alan Mosso was sent off here in the 65th minute. Uh, afterwards, Mosso caught on camera telling the ref, Eres malísimo. Uh, <laughs> you're terrible. You're terrible. I mean, look, some, sometimes uh, reading lips isn't that hard. Pumas, by the way, are appealing the, uh, the red card uh, after a, what I will say anyway, a terrible uh, VAR uh, intervention. So what do you think there? Did they, did they get it wrong? Did they do them dirty? I think so. Burrito Hernandez is already going down. Uh, by the way, still a man down. They still managed to score another goal. Pumas is flying. Some will tell you it's a ravaged, COVID-ravaged Toluca, mm -hmm. and it's Querétaro. Some uh -huh. will tell you that. But I will say this. There are more Querétaros in Liga MX than there are Club Américas. So you play who you have to play. This Pumas team, with a little bit of steam, they've already proven a lot mm. of people wrong. Two seasons ago, they were the second-best team in the league. Yep. They got into the final and lost against Leon. But this is a team with a little bit of belief does well. A little bit of belief. Not from you. You said they weren't for real last week. Eight goals in two games, plus seven goal differential, Hercules Gomez. My man, Bofo Salcedo hit me up and called me a hater online. Said that I don't believe in him, and he's right. Let's go. Hey, good for Bofo watching the show. Uh, wonderful. Uh, Alan Mosa for the national team, by the way. Uh, as well, uh, balling out there for Pumas. You, you got CONCACAF, uh, another goal from this game. Rogelio Funes Mori uh, scored one of the four for Rayados. The only problem is he couldn't celebrate like he wanted to. He wanted to kiss the kiss the crest, but there's no crest on the new Puma kid. <laughs> He's looking for it. He's looking for it. Ah, oh, those FC Dallas kids. Oh, they're so wild. Ah, <laughs> uh, you got CONCACAF, no crest to kiss for uh, Rogelio Funes Mori as Rayados win big over Necaxa.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. To MLS. Kellen Acosta traded from the Colorado Rapids to LAFC for $1.1 million. Guaranteed allocation money plus up to another 400000 in allocation money based on performance metrics from Acosta. A BurgundyWave.com reporting there, the SB Nation site that covers the Rapids, that Colorado wanted to re-sign Acosta, couldn't make the money work, and that there wasn't all that much European interest. Well, Kellen Acosta saw that on Twitter. He took offense, and he did so publicly. Uh, This narrative is sad. Colorado pushed me out. They had an offer for me on the table from abroad and ongoing interests and opted to trade me. So, Herc, something, nothing, or everything. Kellen Acosta's beef with the Colorado Rapids after getting traded. Everything. People don't understand who Kellen Acosta was. There's a, there's a recency bias when it comes to players on the national team pool, okay? And, and people seem to think Kellen Acosta is this just run-of-the-mill Major League Soccer player. Kellen Acosta was the Gianluca Buzio. He was a Ricardo Pepe. He was all these kids before you even heard about these mm. kids. For FC Dallas, he was the next one who was going to go abroad. He was that kid. And then all of a sudden, he goes to Colorado. And Colorado makes him a millionaire. They play him handsomely to play there. And he does well for Robin Frazier. He does well for the Colorado Rapids. And he wants to go to Europe. But the realities are, within Major League Soccer, with the monopoly money, with GAM and TAM and all these mechanisms, there's no incentives for a team to sell abroad. Mm. You can get more in return by dealing a player in-house, in-house transfers, mm. club to club within Major League Soccer, than if you sell a player for actual money abroad. They can do more with that money. It's a reality of Major League Soccer, and it hurts these players. The question on the screen was, did MLS kill Kellen Acosta's European dream? And it sounds dramatic, doesn't it? But, but hurt. at 26 years of age, I think you can honestly say, if that window ain't closed, it's it's getting close to being closed, right? You don't have too much longer after your 26th birthday when you can make a realistic move to Europe. And it's not like he doesn't want it. This is a player who has been very, very clear about what he wants. Back in April, in an interview with The Athletic, he said, I wish I would have gone to Europe early, right? This is a guy who's who's had the opportunity. You thought he might go from right. FC Dallas. You thought he might go from Colorado. And neither of those teams were able to make his European dreams come true. I want to read you this quote, though, because this is the one that, that as a fan, cuts me the deepest. This is what Kellen Acosta said after being in national team camp earlier this year. After being in the last camp, I know that if I want to continue being a national team player, I have to be in Europe, Herc. He knows he has to be in Europe to compete for a World Cup now. His window is closing, not just to go to Europe, but to be a World Cup player for the United States. He's 26 years old, and MLS right now is effectively taking that away from him, are they not? They're d- Listen, you, you can't blame LAFC or Colorado. Maybe you can blame the mechanisms, mechanism excuse me, within Major League Soccer, but... LAFC and Colorado are Major League Soccer. They are franchises of Major League Soccer. What if you don't soccer. care about you the national watch, team? What if you you're just, just an w- LAFC fan, Seb? 
Okay. What if you're just a Colorado Rapids fan? Are you not beholden to your players? You're the play. You're the former player here. Are the clubs not beholden to the players and what they want? What's best for their careers? It's, it's not what they want. It's a business. And the problem here is these clubs aren't incentivized to sell abroad. There's no reason for them to sell abroad. This $1.5 million in GAM, that means nothing to me because I don't know what it means. What does that mean in a market value for Kellen Acosta? Should Kellen Acosta not get 10% of his market value? If this was a regular league and let's say the price was $7 million, Kellen Acosta would have 10% of $7 million in his bag, in his pocket. But that's not the case. That's one of the things. Read the text. Read the tweet, Seb. Read it. I yeah, learned so a long time ago in Liga MX, wait, what? You're going to give me how much? What percentage of how many millions for me to change a team? For me to get sold? Okay, that's an incentive for a sell. That incentivizes not only the player to be sold, but the league, or I'm sorry, the team to sell said player. That doesn't happen in Major League Soccer. So you can say MLS kills or crushes his European dreams. The player can also let the contract run out. Do not renew. Do not re-sign. He had the choice. He re-signed with Colorado, okay? It's not just on Major League Soccer. But on this one, with this gam and tam and all that stuff, yes, it is. Okay, let's keep it moving with another Colorado Rapids player because uh, it sounds like Kellen Acosta may not be the only person moving on from the Colorado, Colorado Rapids who had such a great season last year. Cole Bassett, sources are reporting, is set to move to Feyenoord in the Eredivisie on a one-and-a-half-year loan deal with an option to buy, Herc. Uh, as you would say on Twitter, otro. Otro. Uh, also, Cole Bassett said he wouldn't be joining Benfica because he wanted first team playing time. He seems to be what knows he's going to play there. And guess who's there? Dennis Teclosa. You lost a good mm. one, Galaxy. Just made his uh, debut with the U.S. Uh, back on December 18th in that friendly against Bosnia-Herzegovina. Justin Che, remember this name? 18-year-old from the FC Dallas Academy. Uh, trained with Bayern Munich in 2021. Looks like he's going to join Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga, Herc. Listen to me carefully. A player that can play as a center back and as a right back, let's say he gets steady playing time with Hoffenheim. That's very enticing for a coach mm. when you start thinking about the World Cup. Look at this list. Under 23 Americans headed to Europe in this transfer window. Wow, look at that. You almost need two, two whole graphics for her. <laughs> Otros? Can we? <laughs> Otros. Otros. That's your next hashtag on Twitter. Isn't it? In case you missed it, Herc, it's not all about the young players going from MLS to abroad. What about some of the veterans? Nani. How about this? He's joined Venezia in Syria, and he's already making an impact with an assist in one of his first appearances. Yeah, that's a retirement league. That's where, right. the old, that's where the old players go. Zlatan went there, just lit it up. Honestly, this has got to scream about, I'm not trying to hype Major League Soccer up because it's far from that, but when a player can seamlessly go from Major League Soccer and start getting results in a top five league, that's got to start changing perspectives. Yeah, very cool to see uh, MLS be a true player in the, in the transfer market as uh, we see Nani then move from Orlando City to Venezia in Syria. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com network, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Carlos Mourinho sat down for a one-on-one -on -one with our colleague from ESPN Deportes, Leon Lecanda, and they touched on this very subject. Un jugador en México, eh, nosotros estuvimos eh, tratando también y estuvimos viendo lo de Lainet antes de que se hiciera con el Betis. Estuvimos con varios jugadores mexicanos y efectivamente es un mercado comparado con otros mercados un poco alto. ¿no? Eh, eso quizá eh, impide que haya más jugadores mexicanos aquí, pero no por calidad. Por eso que los jugadores aquí en España, los jugadores mexicanos, son muy seguidos, pero claro, después es difícil llegar a poder traerlos por esas dificultades que hay económicas, que, repito, están quizá un poco más alto el mercado mexicano que el brasileño, que el uruguayo, que el argentino. Herc, it's the thing we speak about all the time on this very show, right? It is, it is not an issue of quality with the Mexican, excuse me, the Mexican player, But it's interesting to hear it there from an executive from a, from a top five league saying, no, it is actually down to price. These players are priced at a, at a rate that makes it impossible for us to bring them it, in. It can't be a talent issue because they've proven that it's not. Multiple world championships, U17 level, U20 level get to the semis at least every time. Already a gold and a bronze at the U23 level at the Olympics. It's not a talent level. You, you see how good these teams or these players are, excuse me. You, you see how valuable they could be. It's the price. There's no way. It blows my mind that he just said Mexican players are valued higher in Mexico than Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay. Two world powers there. A Brazil and Argentina. A, a, a champion of, of South America and Ur Uruguay. A, and the Mexican players are valued higher. That's, wow. Liga Mekis, of course, uh, one of the many properties you can find here on ESPN+. Plus. Speaking of Santos, they face Necaxa. That match on Sunday, you can watch it on ESPN Deportes or right here on plus 8 p.m. Eastern time. Coverage starts. From Liga Mekis, Liga Mekis Femenil, Mia Fischel, played for UCLA, has signed with Tigres that one month after she was drafted by the NWSL, actually fifth overall by Orlando Herc. This is a player who's been called up in the U.S. under 23 camp. She was a finalist actually for the award we handed out on this show, the U.S. Soccer Young Player of the Year Award, not just last year, but the year before. This feels like a, a watershed moment. Liga Mekis Femenil coming in for one of the prospective young stars of the NWSL. Wow, this is a game changer. They literally poached her right after mm -hmm. the draft. I mean, this changes the way you go about things if you are a potential team uh, in said draft. Jody Taylor's gone, Alex Morgan's gone. You almost had me official had a chance of actually playing with Sydney, right? Up top. You threw me Orlando Pride, she knows the coach and whatnot, but going to Tigres, the premier, one of, uh, in my liking, the premier women's team in Liga Mekis Femenil, uh, doing this, opening the borders, selecting Mia Fischel, I, I think it's a game changer for both. Yeah, it is definitely a statement of intent. Uh, if we didn't know just how seriously Tigres has taken their women's football, uh, this sends a message not just to the rest of Mexico, but across the border. This is a, a serious prospect, not just for NWSL, but for the national team as well. And it is very significant uh, that she has signed with the Liga Mekis Femenil side. Let's keep it in the women's game. Herc, uh, FIFA announcing their 
the best awards today. And Christine Sinclair has been honored with the FIFA Special Award for Lifetime Achievement. 188 goals at the international level, more than anybody else, man or woman. And of course, a gold medalist with Canada this uh, last summer at the Olympics in Tokyo. That is insane. <laughs> From somebody who's played for their national team, who's played, played club football, 188 goals is absolutely ridiculous at the national team level. Uh, male or female, that has to be honored. What an incredible achievement and wow. Go Canada, huh? Absolutely. Uh, such, such an incredible uh, career. All right, so here's a look at the FIFA FIFA Pro Best 11, and we do have a couple Americans who make it in there. Carly Lloyd in her swan song year, and Alex Morgan as well, Herc. I got to say, uh, I'm not so surprised by Carly Lloyd. I am surprised that Morgan made it in there. I'm a little surprised by Lloyd. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and say what you will about the tactical setup. Listen, this isn't a real game. Don't worry, it's just honoring people. It's honoring players, but Alex Morgan definitely um, surprised. A little recency bias there, a little U.S. Women's National Team, I guess, uh, shine coming through. I guess so, but only uh, only two of the 11. Look, Lloyd had a very, excuse me, good statistical year, so not a surprise then to see her uh, make the 11, especially with uh, all she's done. Almost like a lifetime achievement award there for Carly Lloyd. <laughs> and all right, Herc, before we get out of here, uh, what are you wearing there? You got a, you got a good-looking shirt, huh? Look at that. It's an air Clear, logo. Clearly we, um, clearly, we didn't do this on purpose. I don't think we uh, we coordinated our shirts, but uh, no. thanks to the crew at, uh, at Calavera FC. All right, uh, so coming up on uh, Thursday's show, we got uh, plenty still to come. The countdown continues, Herc. U.S. against El Salvador uh, in Columbus. As we gear up, we're going to have some big interviews, big names on Football Americas in the coming days. Make sure not to miss a single episode. We'll see you on Thursday.